Good morning. Happy Friday. I'm so excited you can be here with us today on Lift Your Spirits Radio, which comes to you every Friday. And that was my amazing son, Dean Froster. And we have him live in the studio today. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> he's back. He's back. He's, he's home. Back. So he's <laughs> for a little bit. And then he's going to be going back to Boston. Mm. So. It is really good to be home, though. Yeah. It does feel really good. That's awesome. We're so happy you're here. And it's been two years, I think, since you've been in the studio about? Yeah, two years. Well, you've grown up. You look amazing. <laughs> Thanks. It's the East Coast love. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is the East Coast love. Yeah, yeah. Boston's taking good care of him, which mm. is nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great. So my name is Kassar Deline, and after overcoming my own health challenges, naturally, I work to provide valuable health options so you can make the best choices for your life. My background is in herbology, naturopathy, psychology, energy work, and meditation. And you can learn more about me and what I do at truehealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. Thank you again for joining us today. Today, we're fortunate to have Dr. Annalisa Deer. Hi. Hi. Dr. Deer's a goddess educator, a sacred feminine embodiment teacher, a writer, and a speaker. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. So tell the listeners about yourself, please. Yes, uh, I'd love to. So um, thank you for that introduction and thank you oh, for having me. <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, I um, basically I am in love with the goddess. <laughs> so tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I started out my life um, as an actress. I've been acting since the age of five. And I followed that trajectory to New York City. And um, at some point along the way, I discovered spirituality, just saying. Yeah, you said you got a flyer in the mail or something. I got, oh, yeah, I was just That's mentioning. That's so funny. Yeah, it was kind of a confluence of events. So I, I was um, living in New York and in the East Village, you know, the artist district area, kind of living the good life. And um, I randomly got this flyer in the mail to study mythology at Pacifica Graduate Institute in Santa Barbara, California. And I was like, what? How did they get my name? <laughs> Why did they send this flyer to me? Yeah. You know, and sure, there's some crossover myth- mythology and acting and, you know, classical theater and right. in that way. Um, but still, it was like this grand mystery to me. But I, I sat with that kind of seed inside of me for many years. And um, I started to move toward um, traditional forms of theater. So I went to I, I worked with this theater group in New York City called Theater Me Too. And they work with master teachers from around the world. And I went with them to India. And I studied or I trained in classical Indian dance theater, um, Bharanatyam. Um, actually, not Bahar- I, I studied Bharanatyam later, but Mohiniyattam, which is a female dance lineage from South India. Katakali, probably one of the more famous um, lineages, and that's a male form, and they have these big grand masks and, and um, costumes, and it's very gestorial. Um, and Kalari Pai, too. And it was really there that the... Um, the confluence of spirituality and art making and culture kind of came alive for me. And um, I, I think I really, uh, in that moment, understood what ancient Greek theater was probably like for the performers and for, um, you know, the people of the culture. And, and that was a big shifting moment for me. Um, 
and uh, I met the goddess there too because you know if anyone has been to India, <laughs> they they know what it's like to yeah. just like you know the 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 divine is alive there in the land, in the sounds, in the colors, in the costumes, in the foods, and in the interactions between people. Yes, because there's a recognition of the divinity of life all around us and in everything and everyone, and. Um, and so I remember sitting on a beach at the end of that three-week experience, um, and I was reading this book actually by Rudolf Steiner called like Mary Isis and Sophia, something like that. And I was like having this like meta-reflective moment where I was <laughs> like, wow, I've like danced the goddess here. I'm learning about her, um, you know, through the religious system. And it doesn't at all reflect my experience growing up in this non-denominational Christian kind of culture um, and the very kind of secular culture that we live in in America, too. Like, mm -hmm. there, this divine feminine is missing. And where is she? Because there's something there that this culture has that we lack. Um, and... I think that's a problem. Yeah, I agree. It's I a problem agree. for me, and it's a problem <clears throat> for the culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talked about where you studied. Yep. And you have your doctorate. I do, yes. And so what, what is your doctorate in? So the doctorate is in mythological studies okay. with an emphasis in depth psychology. Awesome. And depth psychology is really Jungian psychology and post-Jungian psychology. Um, and, um, and so it's really looking at, like, um, like patterns, like pattern, like archetypal patterns and and symbolic patterns in um, in the cultures and how they arise and and how we kind of act out these patterns in our daily lives. Right. Um, and um, but I, you know, my area of interest again was really like goddess studies and feminist studies and um, and really looking at again investigating because there, there's a link that happened between Pacifica going to Pacifica and India. So from there, I discovered, I was like, I got to find this divine feminine, right? Mm -hmm. And I went back and I was like genuinely looking for that, asking that question, where is she and how do I find her? And Mary Magdalene, like many women, arose for me. Mm -hmm. And I knew that she would, she came to me in a meditation and she would be my guide. And it was through searching for her, um, I went on this pilgrimage to the south of France. And when I got back and I was like, ready to leave behind my life as an actress that I'd been pursuing for 30 years. Wow. And I was ready to let it all go and discover what it, what this thing was, this divine feminine thing was and how it related to my life. And, um, and she, I really believe that it was like her Shakti, I call it her uh, life force energy that took me to Pacifica to pursue this question at a deeper level. So even though I was in mythological studies, I was really investigating um, this divine feminine. And, and eventually it unveiled for me in the midst of this um, experience, I discovered this deep question that I think I came into this lifetime with. That is, what does it mean to be a woman outside of enculturation? Um, and so this is this is the story I was telling you. I have a lot of stories to yeah, share. Yeah, no, go ahead. And this is the awesome. story where I say, <laughs> where I, you know, the Buddha, the Buddha brought me to my knees, basically. So in in the middle of this program, we took a Buddhist studies course, and we read this um, beautiful book by Thich Nhat Hanh called Old Path White Cloud, and 
up until this point, I had been, you know, immersed in all of these religious traditions that um, really didn't have a lot of positive things to say about women, mm. you know. And I, I read all of these, you know, other things, negative things said about women or done to women or just really just pejorative ideas about the feminine. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was like, oh, yes, Buddhism, finally. <laughs> I'm like, I've reached something where at least there's an equanimous, you know, account between um, um men and women, and also, you know, maybe the divine feminine and masculine. And to a certain extent, okay. But, um, no, I get halfway through the book, and he's kind of recreating what he thinks, um, you know, the Buddha's life was like and his relationship with his wife, Yasodhara, or one of his wives. He probably had multiple, (laughs) uh, but the main wife. And I just remember feeling so angry. I was like, I expected more from you, Buddha. I expected more that you would, you know, because at some point, you know, when he starts to awaken to, you know, the the suffering of the world and he decides he needs to go on his hero's journey to uncover what that is, he leaves his wife and his infant son behind. And you can say, okay, they were fine because they lived in a palace. They would have been well taken care of. But it wasn't equanimous in the way that we would expect our expectations right. would be today. It's like, and the way that he recreated, recreated their lives, it was as if each within each lifetime, she made the agreement to help him awaken. And I was like, but what about her? her yeah. She's vodka. <laughs> She's chopped liver. And, I, and, and as a little side note, one of the, we visited a Jain community when we were there in India, the group did. And um, I'm bringing this up because, um, I, you know, I'm not a Buddhist scholar, but I, this, was, this is in the cultural matrix of Buddhism, Jainism, and Hinduism. And um, we were speaking to some, some spiritual adepts within the Jain community. And basically they said that you, in their belief, you have to be born a man to reach enlightenment. You can't be born a woman. And so we were, and I was in a group of mostly, you know, young. But poly- they also believe in reincarnation, they, right? They do. So, but you have to be reincarnated, reincarnated as a man, as in, order a man to, in order to reach okay. moksha, right? And so all, most of the women in this, what, why, how could you, you know, but that's not fair. And eventually the monk stopped the conversation and he said, it's just nature. Wow. And like silence, pin, you know, pin drop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I... Didn't realize it at the time, but this became a very profound memory for me when I was writing my dissertation. I could feel coming up inside of me this deep, primal, ugly belief that was like, ah, I knew there was something in fundamentally wrong with me because I was born a woman. And wow. then as soon as that arose, it kind of dissipated back into the fog. And so and it, it was a helpful memory to have later. But I bring that up because I already had that knowledge when I was reading this, you know, mm-hmm. Old Path White Cloud book. And so I'm in the middle of this book, and I'm so mad at the Buddha. And I was like, <laughs> I thought you were better, Buddha. And I threw the book across the room, and I'm just crying. And I, and I eventually fall asleep. And I had this really profound dream. It was a recurring dream. And um, and usually in this dream, basically the theme was that I was having a hard time embracing femin- my feminine self and trying to figure out what feminine power is, mm-hmm. right? And as I woke up from this dream, I could see this, like, there was this big bla- glass basin in front of me. So I'm in that kind of in-between sleep-wake sleep, state. And all of these goddess archetypes that I had been looking at through my studies to 
um, be myth models, basically. Show me what it means to be an empowered woman. Um, the glass basin showered and they shattered and they all started falling through. And I was like, oh, my God, like, how would I even know? Because all of the, the religious traditions that we have access to today, they're all given to us through a very patriarchal yes, lens. Yes, absolutely. You know, so even the goddesses created through these traditions that we have today, maybe not in their origins, are tainted by this viewpoint. So how could I even look to them to show me that? And then the next question was, have I even had an experience of my own femaleness unmediated by the male gaze or the male point of view? And how would I know? How would I even know since it's so entrenched for thousands of years? Where would I go for that information? Yeah, it's like coming up with a new archetype and new language around the whole thing. Exactly. And so for me, I was like, okay, I have to start at ground zero and I have to go with inside my body to um, have a direct experience of being female that the patriarchy, we'll just call it that, um, can't have. Like they can talk about it. They can try to define it, which they've been doing for (laughs) thousands of years, (laughs) right? Been trying to define it. but I will go inside of me and try to uncover it and define it for me. And that's where I'm going to go to figure out what it means to be a woman outside of enculturation. That's great. So you are listening to True Health with Kassara Deline and Lift Your Spirits Radio. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with more from Dr. Annalisa Deer and Returning to the Goddess. My name is Sharon Maureen, the owner of Twin Peaks Nutrition and Wellness in North Bend, Washington. I am a life coach, mentor, and I am the creatrix of the Solation System, looking at nutrition, offering tools, techniques, and routines to help women thrive through challenges and change. I offer decades of expertise as an herbalist, fitness coach, and health enthusiast. I can customize a program uniquely for you, expanding your inner strength wisdom and resiliency through small daily commitments to yourself reach out to me today at sharonmarine.com lift your spirits with me dina marie on whidbey island i'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul retreats include a healing session for your body your mind and your spirit you receive a reiki session plus a chakra reading experience a labyrinth in the woods take a walk on the beach and enjoy downtown langley with me Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Feeling the need to get away and reconnect with Mother Nature? Located on Whitby Island, Earth Sanctuary is a peaceful and magical sculpture garden, nature reserve, and retreat center with two miles of nature trails, three bird-filled ponds, and a variety of powerful sacred spaces, including a labyrinth, stone circles, and medicine wheels. Come and enjoy the wonders of nature and experience personal renewal, spiritual growth, and healing today. Visit earthsanctuary.org or the Earth Sanctuary on Facebook for more information. Today, you can walk in the footsteps of the ancients and witness the mysteries restored to the modern day. Originally held in Greece, 
Today's festival of the Great Mother and Her Holy Daughter are held right here in Seattle. Join us for the Spring Mysteries Festival this Easter weekend, April 6th through the 9th at the Hilton SeaTac Convention Center. There'll be parties, workshops, vendors, and a catered reception, and a concert by Wendy Rule. Don't miss special guests, Jason Mankey and Terry Riley. Register now at springmysteries.com. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Thank you, Dean. I love listening to him play. You know, he calls me sometimes from Boston, and he'll go, okay, Mom, I'm going to practice, and he'll put the phone down, and he'll just play while I listen. It's so, so wonderful. I just love it. That's one of my favorite things. <laughs> helps actually get me to practice. Too. Ah, it so, does. Huh? Yeah, I'll just actually sit down and do it. Like, okay. That's awesome. It's a good move right there. <laughs> it's a really good move. So thank you for joining us this morning. You're listening to True Health with Kasara Deline. That's me on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And today we're talking with Dr. Annalisa Deer about returning to the goddess. So you wrote a dissertation on this. What was your dissertation called? The, the title is Resacralizing Female Blood, Overcoming the Myth of Menstrual Danger. Wow. That's yes. awesome. Yes. I love that. It was a journey, to say the least, <laughs> yeah. as a dissertation should be. So how, how, why did you write it on that? Well, how did you get to that point? Yeah, actually, jumping off from where we, were, uh, where we left off, when I decided that the, I could discover for myself what it means to be a woman, I wanted to go to the internal lived bodily experience. And, um, and so it felt like I, I would need to yeah, explore the embodiment. And around that same time, um, I, I, I encountered the descent of Inanna myth. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So it's an ancient Sumerian myth, um, the oldest written myth that we actually have in the world. Um, I think the oldest version of it is from around 2000 BCE. Okay, so mm -hmm. that's, what, about 4,000 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, and 2,000 years older than um, the birth of Christ. <laughs> and I, I bring that up actually because it's a, it's a, it's a descent and a, a scent myth. Like she dies and then she's reborn, um, which is a common theme, actually, in that part of the world anyway. Like, it's not right. unique to Jesus. <laughs> like, right, there are right, a lot right. of uh, dying and exactly. resurrecting yeah, gods. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably many of your listeners are aware. Um, and so anyway, so I, I, I read that myth for the first time, and I could just see it. I saw it play out for me as a, um, symbolically, as a menstrual cycle journey, where it was like each of the figures within the myth were like anthropomorphized versions of the physiological processes that are happening mm -hmm. inside the menstrual cycle. And it fits this pattern um, that we've mostly lost in Western tradition of cycles, right? Um, we can, we see clearly in the seasonal cycles, and but we've lost that that way of living and the wisdom in yes. that. Um, and so, and actually, I think this is um, maybe one of the reasons, in my perspective, why many, there are so many menstrual disorders because we don't actually um, live within that cyclical rhythm. Absolutely. Yeah. And do what our body needs to do and is trying to tell us to live in that, that rhythm. Um, so I saw the myth in that way, and 
I, I mean, now at this point, seven years later, it was like a gift from the goddess. Like mm-hmm. she had me like channel it for other people um, to use that word. Yeah. I would never use that word in graduate school, but <laughs> I'm done now. Well, so like I can sometimes say that. you just, there is, I mean, I, I think that way too. I just give information. I have to yeah, use it, right? Exactly. You can't deny it. And it just, you know, and now I'm in this another, another layer of it and sh- she just keeps giving. She just keeps giving. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about that last night. It was like, that's like, you know, we all come in with different gifts and it's like, this is one of my gifts. And it's like, I have the information. So then my challenge is to figure out how to communicate it in a way right. that's digestible for people, which is. While staying Very true hard. to the, while staying true, right? Exactly. To, the, to what you're hearing. Yeah, it's, that's hard. Yeah. Oh, so hard. Yeah. So I saw it that way. And then, I mean, like, this is the thing. Like, I fought tooth and nail. I did not want to write my dissertation on menstruation, okay? So <laughs> I wanted to write it on Mary Magdalene because I'm this devotee. And I was like, and she was the one that was like holding my hand, guiding me on this path. Like, you know, because she's an emblem of, of denigrated feminine. Fem- Female, women, yeah, you know, yeah. the feminine and women in, in our culture, right? And so, but she basically, when it, when literally the day I had to choose, she was like, nope, you wanted to know what it means to be a woman. I'm taking you on a deep, deep dive journey to discover what that is from the inside yeah. out. Um, and so it was not my choice. It was divine intervention. And, um, you know, throughout the process, I can, looking back now, I can see these events that led up to me choosing that or knowing that I had to choose that topic. One of them I explained earlier with the um, the monks, the Jane monks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another early story in which uh, I was with my cohort. Uh, there were about eight of us, and we were um, in Arizona and uh, south of Tucson at um, a Native American museum. Forgive me because I don't remember the name of it. And... Um, there was some information and some pictures and information about the Apache uh, sunrise ceremony, which is a girl's puberty rite ritual. Oh, right on. Yeah. And my classmate was like, hey, Anna, uh, you know, why don't you write your dissertation on this? And I was like, I don't want to spend two years thinking and writing about menstruation. (laughs) And then I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I think that's the thing I need to write about. Right, right, right. Right? And so... You know, there was this this coalescing of looking at how we internalize, you know, negative beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to investigate that further. And so seeing so seeing the, my negative feelings about menstruation, also having this like divine feminine vision. Yeah. Um, that was the path I took. And um, here we are seven years later, I, you know, and then when I got into it, it was like, OK, well, now I want to know why. Yeah. I want to know why um, menstruation has been seen as disgusting, dirty, sinful, and illness. And I was really able to track that pretty well for the last 5,000 years and also something that came before that. There's also evidence for pre, prehistoric menstrual rever- reverence in Eurasia. There are, of course, cu- cultures today that still um, revere menstruation and menstruous women. Um, like the Apaches, for example, like when a girl goes through that ceremony, she's seen as stepping into her power. Yes. You know, and also in cultures like that, when a woman goes through um, uh, menopause, that's another layer of power. Sometimes she's even more powerful. Here's another side note. Um, (laughs) I have a teacher, uh, one of my professors, um, who's no longer at Pacifica. She wrote a book um, on, uh, what's it called? Female Genital Power. And it's about 
um, some of the women that she lived with in the Cote d'Ivoire who, uh, exactly that, like they're postmenopausal women and in that culture they are seen to be like the most powerful. And she would tell us stories in class of how um, when the, the, I think they were called the grandmothers, would show up at an event, everyone would be like, <gasps> because their, their powers were both beneficent and dangerous. Right. And there was a particular story of some like, you know, nasty politician that was in town and the, and the mother, grandmothers showed up and they, they peed on the, t- the guy's tire and everyone was like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> they've come and they've dispelled their their power. Like, ah, so, uh, you know, it's it, so understanding that the culture that we live in and that we've, you know, inherited from our, you know, our ancestors all the way back a couple thousand years um, and the, the beliefs that we have about women, the female body. Um, are not shared among cultures, mm-hmm. and those beliefs can be changed. But we have to actually go and investigate our our um, internalized belief systems, and and that's one of the core pieces of the dissertation. Yeah, I think it's interesting in this culture uh, in the U.S. specifically, you know, about all the misconceptions about feminine femininity, and about you know, I have a lot of young women that come to me. Um, and I have people that come to me trying to get pregnant, that type of thing. And and yet they've, if you look at it, you know, outside of that, they have damaged their system, whether yes. they were taking medication or, um, you know, whatever. Um, but I think in the mindset, you look at that mindset, it's almost like it's like, well, I want to be more like a man because then, you know, fill in the blank, right? And then they don't have the periods anymore. And plus also... When women reach menopause, there's that other whole piece as well, because, um, you know, the woman that trained me as an herbalist, she had her periods up until she was 70. Wow. Okay. And it is a natural process. It's an elimination system that our body uses. Exactly. And if you are shutting it off, now all the other systems in your body have to now take on that task. Right. And so seeing that and being able to help women with that and get through that, because that's not how most people think about it. They're like, no, I'm going to take a pill. I'm going to tell it to shut up. I don't want to listen to it anymore. It's, it's inconvenient for my life. And yet it's, there's so much, like you said, there's so much power there if they would just tap into that. Right. I have so many points I want to respond to there. <laughs> but to, to your last point, I, you know, I address that somewhat in the, the dissertation because I, you know, I developed this, what I call the myth of menstrual danger. And in, in modern times, the way that's really manifesting is that menstruation is a danger to women. And it's a, it's a danger to um, us living our best lives. And so I give many examples of how that plays out. But right now we're in a, in a moment of menstrual suppression equals liberation from your own body. And it's also predicated on the idea that the normal human body is the male body. Right. Which exactly. has been the case for exactly. several thousand yeah, yeah, years yeah. in medicine and in the religious systems, which, again, I go into detail <laughs> in the dissertation. And I do. I will in the book. Um, and so... That's a problem, obviously, for many women, as the points that you brought up, that it's actually, it's our message system. Like, our, our, we're supposed to menstruate not only because it, it's an elimination, but it's also telling us something. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there is a, is, um, a wisdom to every single phase Absolutely. of the cycle as well. And that's what I'm trying to, what I think the, re, the, the myth itself can bring forth is that um, these different powers at every stage of the menstrual cycle can actually be used by women to live 
more um, healthfully, successfully, um, live an empowered life. So it's kind of it's it's controversial to 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 counter the menstrual suppression narrative. Um, there's a book that I talk about quite a bit in the dissertation, um, or I, cri- I critique. It's called, um, it's by a Brazilian gynecologist. It's called, Is Menstruation Obsolete? And mm. so one of his premises is that there's, menstruation has no purpose, except if a woman wants to get pregnant. So let's just eliminate it, mm. unless a woman wants to get pregnant. Crazy. And it's crazy. And so there's the health reasons, but there's also the psychological mm-hmm. reasons. Absolutely. And again, it's like predicated on the idea that menstruation is not normal. It's other. It's dangerous. It's inconvenient. And um, so I'm more curious and interested in um, the meaning-making process and how do we um, affirm menstruation, not simply as natural, but we should because mm-hmm. it's not seen as you know, a natural part of the hum- human body for many people. But I want to go a step further and say that it's actually um, a spiritual experience. Yeah, there was a book, I think I told you about it, called Eating by the Light of the Moon, it's one that I, I can't remember the lady's name now. She's a, a psychotherapist out of Hawaii, actually, and she has a whole um, center where she helps mostly, I think she works mostly with women who are bulimic and anorexic and so forth. And in, in, in her book, she talks about all these ancient stories. And when you read that book, I, I recommend it for any young woman because it resets that belief system of that cycle yeah. and how to look at it in a completely different way. And I think it might be precursor to what you've got going on. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, because exactly. it kind of just sets the stage and then they can look and get deeper um, with the work that you've done, obviously. Yeah. You've gone much deeper than that. So. And there's another woman to the, to the point that you were talking, we, we've been kind of dancing around with menopause and postmenopause. Um, there's a woman named Maya Tiwari. Are you familiar with Mm-mm. the work? No. Okay. So she um, was diagnosed with uh, terminal ovarian cancer in her 20s. And she's Indian, um, and she went back to her ancient Ayurvedic roots. And not just Ayurveda, because I didn't know this, but apparently there's been somewhat of a patriarchalization of Ayurveda as well Mm -hmm. over the years. So she actually found a suppressed female lineage. Wow. And through that, reclaiming that wisdom was able to heal herself. And she helps other women do that. And um, I'm still learning about her work, so I I just want to drop a little bit here of what I understand, um, that in her view, um, these, these cycles that are happening while we're, you know, menstruating continue in their own way, probably hormonally, definitely energetically in the postmenopausal phase too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. also she believes that it's, she's not the only one, many people do. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That we're supposed to be menstruating on the cycle with the moon. So at the full moon, we'd be ovulating. Yes, and on the exactly, dark moon, yeah. we'd be bleeding. And um, she offers practices to help women. Even my friend who's in her 60s is now getting back on that cycle. Yeah, and, yeah, and I've done, worked with a lot of women where they didn't have their cycle, and then once we got them healthy and they started, they start their periods would start up again. And, you know, I mean, that's that's a thing, right? Um, yes. And... And connecting with that. And, and even if they don't have their parts, they still will have that cycle going on inside of them. And, and they, they, the fact that they can acknowledge that and verbalize that, I think, is so empowering yes. that they feel that. I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's there. Just because you may not be bleeding doesn't mean you're not having the experience. Exactly. You know? so. and, and, you know, there's something else I want to bring up here, too, because we're all embodied beings, right? All humans. And um, we all have cycles. And because of the... Um, 
sexist preconceived notions or uh, cultural uh, viewpoints that um, basically have positioned women as irrational and emotional because we cycle. Right. Um, there has been less investigation into men's hormonal cycles and yeah, the, you're the right. emotions that you're come right. through, yeah. even though there is actual evidence. I think from the 50s or 60s, there was a study done on male um, uh, factory workers um, and that they do cycle monthly as well. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think that men are at a disadvantage because of this cultural belief that women are the crazy ones. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And it's not that we're not, it's it, crazy isn't even the point. It's that we need to get back to cyclical wisdom, period. Yes. Well, and listening Unintended. to that and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, listening to that and honoring that and respecting mm-hmm. that and learning from it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think we've, we've, we're constantly, that's my big thing is we're always telling our bodies to shut up. And if we would just listen to what all the information is there, I think it would fix a lot of problems yes. and, and provide information so people can get to where it is they're trying to go and exactly. where they're trying to be, you know. Exactly, so, yes. Anyway, okay, thank you. So this is Kassara Deline, and uh, we're going to take a little respite here. So I'm going to have Dean play some more. The 2023 Northwest Green Home Tour is back to in-person home tours on April 29th, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. The Northwest Green Home Tour provides an opportunity for members of the community to learn about a full spectrum of sustainable building practices from the people and businesses that support it. Get inspired by projects in all shades of light to deep green, from backyard cottages and kitchen remodels to new homes built with cutting-edge green features. You'll see and learn firsthand how your neighbors are generating their own electricity with solar panels, lowering their energy bills with insulation, creative solutions to keeping footprints as small as possible, and creating a healthier home environment for their families. Learn from the experts and really understand what makes it green on this educational tour. Together, we can build a better future. Plan ahead and get your free tickets today at nwgreenhometour.org. That's nwgreenhometour.org. Hope to see you there. Are your medical expenses increasing, but your health is not improving? True Health offers unique services where Kassara empowers clients with intuition, education, and proven resources. Better choices can be made when information is available. Now's the time to visit truehealth.com. That's T-R-U health.com. And schedule your appointment to achieve your health goals. Your body will thank you. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 AM KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries. You can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. You're listening to True Health by Kasara on Lift Your Spirits Radio. 
And we're talking about returning to the goddess with Dr. Annalisa Deer. So tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you. Yes. I would love for you to come visit me, (laughs) (laughs) either on my YouTube channel or uh, 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 at my website, which is journeytothegoddess.voyage. And there you can learn all about my work. You can go to the About page and find the contact and reach out to me there. Yeah, you have a lot of videos out there. I do. Yeah, I think I have 80 videos right now on YouTube of interviews and some of my own solo talks. That's Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. So, and you wanted to talk about um, feminine. I do. I, I think because, especially in, okay, so there's, there's two issues. There's one, like, how we, what we consider, like, femininity from maybe the secular perspective. I want to set that aside. I want to talk about it from the spiritual perspective. Okay. Um, because I think there's still a lot of confusion there that comes from the secular perspective and or, like, old religious ideas that are stale and need to be regenerated. Um, So I look at like the Shiva Shakti system from Tantra, from Hindu Tantra. Okay. And I'm not a Tantrika, but I do a lot of study and I'm taking classes from the academic and the spiritual perspective. So in that system, um, Shakti means energy or life force, life force energy or power. And uh, Shiva is resting consciousness. So these are cosmogonic Cosmogonic? Cosmogonic <laughs> energies. Um, uh, they're cosmic energies, okay? And they're energies that, res- that reside in all of us. So Shiva being resting consciousness, he's universal awareness. He's the energy of, like, pure consciousness um, and presence. And she is the, the life force energy that moves and flows and creates. So she's the dynamic force and he's the receptive force that's very different than what we consider feminine and masculine masculine mm-hmm. um or what most people do and I, I i think for me that that's been really um illuminating um because it helps me it helps me understand feminine power in a new way and just recently actually i started to understand why um, in that system, rivers are named after goddesses like Saraswati and Gangi, mm. Ganges um, because her power is a soft, fierce power because the, the power of a – you can die in a river. Yeah, it's very yeah. fierce, but it's also soft. You can put your hand into it and break a structure. Right. And it also needs – you know, without the banks, it totally is, becomes diffuse. Right. So – I like to look at the river in that way as the balance between the feminine and the masculine, where the feminine is that flow of the river and the masculine is the banks that holds and protects and is the pure awareness holding the river and the flow. And it's through their dance that the cosmos are born. Okay. So I think that um, when we redefine or, or see the feminine in that way, um, it might actually... When women are looking, you know, we talked earlier about women taking on masculine roles. I think that when you look at yourself as embodying soft power in that way, and, um, you know, that soft power can manifest through these goddesses as Durga, the the warrior, and, you know, making decisive decision, or Lakshmi, the homemaker, or Saraswati, the embodiment of creativity. Um, You know, that soft power is actually... Um, creative and dynamic and it's not like it it, it changes how you behave in the world yeah totally Mm -hmm. 
That makes perfect sense. I mean, if you think about it, being tapping into that, when you tap into that, you're tapping into your creativity. Your um, and it's beautiful. The way you were describing it is just lovely. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> That's good. It's like, I want that. I know, right? I do too. So I'm really like in this, like, um, I'm really in this, uh, I keep using the word matrix today. By the way, matrix means uterus. It's Latin for uterus and can mean source origin. So I'm like on a mission to tell people what it really means because in the movie, it kind of takes on this negative connotation and people use it that way. But that's a patriarchal reversal of the origin of life. Isn't that crazy, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, when I say matrix, I mean it in the beautiful, nurturative way. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and then we were talking a little bit about um, how implants, uh, menstrual implants and uh, menstrual pills and things like that, how um, uh, Dean was talking about a friend who had removed these from her body. And now, you know, she said she's feeling empowered. That's crazy. So, yeah, I love that, too, because the narrative right now is that a woman should feel more empowered if she can control her cycle. Right. right? And remember, control, yeah. again, is control is actually a, a patriarchal value. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a show on Netflix. I don't remember what it was, but I remember talking, watching it and it was talking about how um, all these women were like, oh, yeah, we felt liberated because we could take the pill. And, and, you know, which that was what they felt back then. But now it's like it actually disconnected them from a lot of things from their body. Yeah. yeah. And I can see like it served, you know, for I've, for a lot of women, I can understand where it served a purpose. Yeah, it allowed them to go out in the world, get careers, um, not be beholden to men, yes, or male exactly, yes. systems that are disempowering. Yes. Um. And I think that we have the tools and um, we have the tools to do something different, you know. And, um, you know, I can just speak from personal experience. I really believe that my health issues started when I um, started taking the pill at 16. And I've, um, you know, been off it for like 12 years or something like that. But still, um, it did its damage. And I have many friends that feel the same way, Um, just from a purely physical standpoint like right, yeah. you know my gut is still trying to recalibrate and there's other issues with the chemicals in our foods etc yeah, yeah. etc and our lifestyles yes. like the stress that we put on ourselves but the most detrimental part for me is actually the psychological believing that there's something wrong with me because I menstruate right believing that I'm not normal um well think but, about how many messages we get about that when we're growing up as women or ex- young girls you exactly know? and that's really the message in the dissertation is that there's internalized menstrual sexism um that women internalize and we um apply that on ourselves on our the way that we speak and our behaviors on ourselves and, and on other women that's yeah, a constant underlying message it, right and it continues to reinforce itself throughout the culture um and things are starting to shift but um you know, it, so I'm about changing the narratives. How do we change the identify the problem yeah. of this internalized sexism? And it's not just with menstruation. It's no. with everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then change the narrative so that we can make empowered choices. Yeah. For everybody. For everybody. Not just women. Not just women. Yeah. yeah we all absolutely. need it. And I got to tell you, every time I'm in conversations with men about this stuff, they love it. They most of them, not all, but many <laughs> of them actually love it. Yeah. Um, they're curious and they're interested and they learn something. And the last guy 
um, I sat with, he said, I'm so honored to be a part of this conversation with you women. That's great. Well, we all have feminine and masculine within us, too. So I think when you're talking about it to them, they want to get in touch with that part of themselves. And, and, and society says, no, you don't want to be a part of that, right? Right, I mean, exactly. It's like, and I believe it's a lost language system. Absolutely, Like, yeah. you know, it brings its own level of feminine consciousness. And when we don't have it, we can't participate with the world fully. Absolutely, yeah. We're cut off from the world, yeah. Right. Okay, so you have a YouTube channel. I do. And there's some amazing videos out there. Yeah. So basically, like I was like, huh, I'm learning all this interesting stuff in graduate school. And there is a big gap between goddess scholarship um, and pop cultural goddess spirituality that I'm, you know, that I see. And I was like, I want to bridge that gap. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's I was awesome. like, how do I bring what we're talking about um, to the masses? Um, and so, yeah, so I interview um, women, a lot of the, my fellow colleagues from Pacifica and the work they're doing with the goddess and feminine consciousness and, um, and, uh, and just giving women a different perspective and men because there are men that follow too because, again, like you said, yeah. men have feminine in them as well. Um, and just bringing new perspectives on how to, how to live, how to think, um, I have my talks on um, menstruation there and some of my goddess performances. So I've also um, gone around the world and done these site-specific menstrual art goddess performances where I feel like the land speaks to me and it's like, okay, there's a story. I'll give you an example. So um, on Easter Eve, uh, I went to the Vatican and performed um, this performance. Uh, Basically, there's this story of the the red Easter egg and... um, Mary Magdalene is said to have gone to the emperor and, and preached about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he was like, no way, that's not possible. And she says, well, you see this egg in my hand? If it turns red, then it's true. And it turned red Oh my God. in the story, right? And so I said, you know what? I think that's actually an appropriation of old goddess symbolism. And the red oh, is the power of women's yeah. blood, you know, Makes death sense. and rebirthing yeah. powers of women's blood. And um, so I retold the story to kind of emphasize the, you know, women's bodily power and the power of blood and um so i've done five performances like that around the world and i have or maybe six now i can't remember so your acting's come in handy my acting has come in handy you know and um and i do it purely for me and as a devotional act to the goddess to reclaim and rematriate our stories i would Uh, think you would get information too while you're doing that oh yeah and uh, connecting to that energy oh yeah that's all it's all like i don't there's not very premeditated it's actually like like when I got to Greece and I stepped on the land, I was like, oh, I need to do something here. And I went to Delphi and I did it. And I actually got kicked out of the <laughs> oh temple. <my> gosh. <laughs> I tried to do it. I tried to do perform it in front of the uh, Athena temple at Delphi. And I was kicked out. And I turned around and I was like face to face with this cat. And if you've been traveled to Greece, you know there's cats everywhere on the monuments. Um but they don't interact with people. They don't care about us. But this cat was meow, meow, meow. And I was like, oh, my God, the goddess is talking to me. She's saying, awesome. keep going. Awesome. <laughs> so I found somewhere else to perform it. And, you know, it's an it's a act of um, not just reciprocity but restitution um, for the goddess and reclaiming her wisdom and kind of putting it back into the stories. That's great. Yeah. Okay, and you have a book coming out. I do. Next yes, year. I do. I do. I don't know the title yet, so I can't give it no, to you. I want to let people know so they can look for yes, it. Yes, thank it comes you. Out. Yeah, and it's it's basically the the uh, the the version of my dissertation for 
a general audience. Awesome. And uh, it'll be more heavily focused on um, the myth itself, though. Okay. And then you, you have classes. Uh, yeah, I, um, I do. I'm in the process of um, co-developing a class with the book. So there's actually exercises and practices and visualizations oh, awesome. in the book, and, I, and that will become a course, too. Um, and, yeah, everything is kind of upcoming. So keep an eye out That's for the exciting. courses. Yeah. And then you had a call to action that you wanted to share. I do, yes. So I had this brilliant idea. <laughs> um, I like to say that my uh, that my um, my ideal audience for this book is the little girl inside of any woman who grew up believing there was something wrong with her because she menstruates, uh, because she bleeds. And so what I have decided to do is to ask any woman who that resonates with to send me a picture of herself as a little girl, um, and I will put her put that picture up because <laughs> I'm writing to her, so I want to have a wall of these pictures. Um, I'm also going to invite people to tell me their period stories, yeah. and there'll be prompts, um, and everything will be, um, if I use it, like weave some of these stories through the book, which I may, um, mm-hmm. and later on use the, the photos and the stories um, as an art installation, um, and it maybe as part of the marketing, but everything, of course, would be... Um, uh, anonymous in that way it wouldn't be like right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the call to action is to send me your your photos if that resonates with me with you and your stories awesome that'd be great yeah because yeah. it's always great to have other people's stories Sometimes. yeah it, it helps me to see that I'm not alone and you know I think it's more powerful to see to see other women's stories especially in the book I hope to have them in the book right yeah that's exciting yeah that's exciting so what what do you want to leave the listeners with? Wow. Oh, my God. That's such a good question. Um, you know, the, the first line right now in the dissertation or the book, the book, last line in the dissertation, first line in the book. Oh, is, really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is menstruation is a superpower. Wow. It is your superpower. So getting people to wrap their head around that yes. is, is a big job. Yes. With all the societal programming that we have to fight through. That's right. And I'm going to share for all of you why that is in the book. So you'll have That's to read That's awesome. It. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Um, this is, you've been listening to Kasara Deline on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And we have been here with Dr. Annalisa Deer. And you can reach her at, you want to provide your email again, or your website again, please? Yes, www.journeytothegoddess.voyage. Journeytothegoddess.voyage. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And my website is truehealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. And maybe we can hook our websites up or something oh, like that. That'd be great. We can do that so people can find you that way, too. Yes. And... Thank you so much. Um, we're going to leave with some music by Dean again, since he's here today. Thank you so much, Benny. Too fast Who'd have guessed That we 
we'd end up here But I'm glad you're here Endlessly There's a voice inside my head That recites the things you always say
wild 